Well, I was reading an article this past week about a woman named Emma Lewis who lives in a town called Swansea, which is a coastal town on the south side of Wales in the UK. And Emma grew up in the foster care system there, and she remembers as a child being um, abused and neglected and being so poor at certain, at certain points in her life that she had to go beg for the scraps that they were throwing away at her local fish and chips shop. But one day her life totally changed when um, she was able to actually leave that foster care system because of the generosity of people in her neighborhood, the people in her community. For example, like every Sunday night, someone in her community would invite her over for a hot meal so that she could share in that experience with them. Um, a local pub owner, when she was able to have a job, he gave her a job in his, in his pub so that she could make money for herself. And when she was able to live on her own, someone in her community walked alongside her and helped her find a low-cost flat so that she could live on her own. And so when she became an adult, she decided, I'm going to give back to this community that I love so much. And she founded something called the Roots Foundation Wales, which provides similar assistance for kids in foster care. Well, in 2019, when her, her hometown of Swansea turned 50 years old, she found out that the Prince of Wales and the, and the Duchess of Cornwall at the time, right, um, they were going to come visit. And so she said, you know what, I'm going to take three of the kids in my care and I am going to take them to meet the royals. Um, because she was trying to help them build these positive memories of their childhood. And she said, um, these are memories of a lifetime. I believe that those opportunities should be accessible to them. And she admitted that she knows what it feels like because of the trauma of her own childhood to feel like you don't belong in high places, okay? Well, fast forward to 2022 when the queen passed away. Uh, her cabinet decided that they were going to invite 200 volunteers and community leaders to be guests of honor at her, at her funeral ceremony. And guess who got invited? Emma Lewis. She said, I was sitting in the car park when I received a call from the cabinet office. It was quite surreal. I knew it was an invitation that I couldn't turn down. And then she goes on to say, we often turn down opportunities because we go through life thinking that we are not worthy. But she knew she was not going to turn down this opportunity of a lifetime. And on September 19th, 2022, Emma Lewis, along with hundreds of other volunteers and community leaders, joined presidents and princesses at the Queen's funeral. I mean, talk about the most unexpected invitation of a lifetime, right? Well, I, I don't know about you, but I love getting invitations. I like being invited to just about anything. doesn't matter what it is. It could be coffee with a friend or dinner with my husband. It could be a birthday party or an anniversary celebration. Well, not only do I love getting invited, but I really like it when the invitations are pretty. I love pretty invitations, okay? And so I found a couple that I want to show you. Look at this first one. This is to a birthday party. It came in a green suede box. Very lovely, very elegant. Um, this next one is a wedding invitation that comes on a giant scroll. How would you like to receive that in the mail? Um, I think this one is my favorite, though. It's a wedding invitation that was printed on an old vinyl record. Really nice. Um, well, my husband recently turned 50, and yesterday we threw a huge 50th birthday bash for him. Um, do you want to see the invitations I sent out? 
right here. Vintage Evite, you guys, vintage Evite. Not very impressive, super overwhelming. I really need to up my invitation game. I need to uh, up my invitation game. Well, I love getting an invitation, and I honestly think probably you do as well. And the question is why? Why do we like getting invited so much? And I think it's because getting an invitation to something, it means a couple of things. First of all, it means that I count. It tells me that I matter to someone. Getting invited means that someone wants to know me more and draw me into their life. And I think that at its core, an invitation means that someone wants to connect with me. An invitation means connection. But not getting invited, that's a different story, right? Not getting invited, it means that we are excluded. And Chris talked about this last week a little bit. We've been talking, we talked last week a little bit about some of the ways the church has excluded people throughout history. This is a little bit of a different kind of exclusion. It's kind of a social exclusion. It's what happens when we don't get invited to be part of something special in someone's life. That kind of exclusion is painful. It produces pain in us. And I think it's why we get that sick, disappointed, even sorrowful feeling because it means that we didn't register in someone's mind. It means that someone didn't think of us. We didn't come up for someone, and someone doesn't want to connect with me and invite me into their space and be, be able to invite them into mine and connect with them on a deeper, deeper level. And that is painful because we all have a longing, a deep longing and desire to be loved and to belong somewhere. And can we talk about that pain for a minute that we experience, not just the pain of exclusion, but it's any kind of pain that we experience, whether it's worry, anxiety, or conflict with another person. It could be rejection or loss or illness or stress, the stress of intense demands. What I often find is that the pain that we experience is the result of a longing in us that is not being met. It produces pain. Are you worried about something? It means that you have a longing for something in the future that's happening in the future to go well. If you have a conflict with someone, it means that you have a longing for something in that relationship to be rectified. Are you experiencing loss? It means you have a longing deep inside of you to reconnect with someone or something. If you are experiencing stress, it means that you have a longing for less demand. And so whatever the problem, whatever the pain, there's a longing in you that is going unsatisfied and it is making you uncomfortable. And I think that all of us sitting here this morning, we have got these unmet longings that are causing us discomfort and pain. Well, let's also talk for a minute about what we do with that discomfort and that pain. We've talked about this a couple of times over the last few weeks. I talked about it during the first week of the last series, and Chris brought it up again. But the thing that we tend to do with our pain and discomfort, it's, maybe it's sitting in your hand right now. We pull out our phones, don't we? And we look up an app, or we distract ourselves with what's on the screen, or we, we figure out how to solve our problem so that we are not in that pain anymore. And I'm telling you, it's not just the apps and our screens that we use. Our tendency when we experience pain and discomfort in our lives, due to pretty much that can, anything that can cause us pain and discomfort in our lives, 
is we tend to solve it with things that are not very healthy. See if you can relate to any of these, okay? Some of us self-medicate. We have a long list of things that we use to self-medicate, don't we? Um, alcohol, food, and shopping, I think, are right up there. I think we all maybe adopted a new one during COVID, which was binge-watching Netflix. That seemed to help people quite a bit. Um, I was talking with a friend of mine this past week, and she has never watched a Netflix show. She never has binge-watched anything on Netflix before. And she said, Jody, I am so stressed out. I've been so stressed out in my life. I binge-watched my first show last night, and I don't know why I didn't do it sooner. That's exactly what she said. I don't know why I didn't do it sooner. Um, so some of us do that. Some of us are activity people. We fill our lives with so much that we don't have to experience the pain that we're going through. Super activity. Some of us are under-activity people. We don't do a lot, or maybe we find ourselves sleeping too much. Some of us are distractors. We distract ourselves with things like maybe it's extreme sports, just that high of being in a life-threatening situation makes everything else feel a little more um, diminished. Or you can distract yourself with my personal favorite. And I'll tell you, I'm being really vulnerable and honest with you this morning when I tell you this, my personal favorite distraction, it's you guys. It's you guys. It's being a pastor. It's this job that I don't consider a job. It's this thing that I love to do. When something is going wrong in my life or something is hard, I come here. I go to the place that I love. I can tell you, I could be a pastor from sunup until sundown all day long. I've done it all the time, but sometimes it's a distraction, right? Well, that's what I do. And the truth is, you know what you do too, right? We all have a way that we deal with the pain and the discomfort in our lives, whatever it happens to be at the moment. Because in our culture, Crosswinds, pain is something to avoid and solve. Pain is something to avoid and solve. But I wonder if sometimes, just sometimes, we are too eager to cover up or numb our discomfort and in doing so, we miss something that God might have for us. What if, what if those hard and even those dark places, your worry, your conflict, your loss, what if the pain of those places is really revealing to you unmet longings and desires that you have? And what if those longings are not pain-producing emotions to be avoided and solved, but they show us areas of our lives where we need to invite God in? Because I think what happens to us in the midst of great pain is that we forget the fact that God can solve that, that we serve a God and we have a God who knows us better than we know ourselves he knows the deepest longings of your heart and your soul, and he is just waiting for you to turn around and say, God, I invite you in to this thing. And when we do that, there is a chance that you can experience some of the greatest peace that you have ever had and the greatest connection with God that you have ever had in your human existence just by inviting him in. And so what I want you to see this morning is that your longings are not pain to be avoided, but opportunities for invitation. Opportunities for invitation, an invitation to let God in. Don't you want to see what it's like if you say yes to that? 
we're going to find out today as we look at the passage in just a minute. Well, we are starting a new series today, and it's called Raise Your Voice. And throughout this entire series, we're going to be looking at these types of unexpected invitations that pop up in our lives, only these invitations don't come in green suede boxes or on stationery with beautiful writing. These invitations come through the hardship and the pain and the struggle in our lives. And we're going to see what it would look like if we could raise our voice in the midst of these situations and experience what God has for us in the midst of it, okay? So I wanna show you a story today. It's a story about a guy who finds himself in a very dark situation. And we are gonna see what it looks like for him to raise his voice in the midst of that. And we are gonna see what God does in response to him raising that voice, okay? The story is found in Luke chapter 15. Jesus is telling a story to his disciples, and his story goes like this. A man had two sons. The younger son told his father, I want my share of your estate now before you die. And so his father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. Okay, so we're going to look at that for a second because I want you to kind of picture what's happening. You are a parent. And one day your younger, your younger son comes to you, son or daughter comes to you and says, you know what, I know you're not gone yet, but I want what's owed to me now. I want you to give me what is owed to me as your child. Give me what you're gonna give me. I wanna have it right now. And what do parents usually leave their children if they're gonna leave them something? Pretty much everything, right? You can't take it with you when you're gone. So you take all that you've got and you divide it between your kids and you give it to them. And the passage says that this is what that father did. He took all that he had, he divided his his estate, and he gave it to his son. Something that you would only do once you were gone, right? To be distributed. And so basically what this kid is saying to his dad is he's saying, you know what, dad? I wish you were dead now. I am better off without you. Give me what's mine. And can we just stop for a second and think that something might be a little off with this kid? Maybe a little off. Like who does that? What kind of child does that? And can we stop for just a second and recognize that something might be a little off with this father? Right? Like if that were my kid that came to me and asked me for that, I'd be like, yeah, no, not happening. Just go to your room. Right? Not entertaining that request. But what kind of a parent grants this kind of request? Well, I want you to put a pin in that because I'm going to answer it later. Okay? And I want you to see what happens next. It says a few days later, this younger son packed up all of his belongings and moved to a distant land. And there he wasted all of his money on wild living. Okay, the verse says that he went to a distant land, but a literal translation of this means he went on a a journey. He actually went on a journey, and the idea here is that he began to wander. He wandered away from home, and he began this prodigal life. You have heard um, that, that term, prodigal son, right? Well, this is the story of the prodigal son. And normally when we think of a prodigal, we think of a kid who has run away from home and then that kid returns. And what do we call him? The prodigal son, right? The prodigal has returned. But that is not what a prodigal is. This is what a prodigal is. A prodigal 
as someone who spends money or resources freely and recklessly, someone who is wastefully extravagant. And this passage is telling us the son was wastefully extravagant. He was a prodigal. Now, this is nothing new to us in our society, right? We've got celebrity prodigals all around us. Um, I remember back in the 90s, this one just, this tripped me out uh, when I saw this. Remember Mike Tyson and his white tigers? Spent so much money on his white tigers um, until one day one of the tigers um, tore off someone's arm and he had to get rid of that tiger. I don't know if you know that. And after that, he went bankrupt. So Mike Tyson, prodigal. We have uh, Beyonce spending about $50,000 on a pink Swarovski bath bathtub. Prodigal. Or what about Paris Hilton spending $250,000 on a dog mansion for, for her dogs, right? Prodigals. But here's what I want you to see. It would be so easy for us this morning to point to the kid in the passage or point to the people up on that screen and say, I am so glad that's not me. That's not me. I would never. I would never do that. But I want us to see this morning that we can all become prodigals in our own way. And we can all begin to wander. Because I think there is an inner wanderer in all of us. And wandering starts in response to an unmet need that we have in our lives that we are trying to fill. And so we start wandering around trying to find it. We can wander around from addiction to addiction. We can wander from shiny new toy to shiny new toy, or partner to partner, or even something like meal to meal, trying to fill the void inside of us that is not being met. And so we can also go on a journey, as the passage says, spending our energy or our money, our relational equity, until we find something that fills the void. And pretty soon, once you have wandered long enough, you can become a shadow a shadow of the person God intended for you to be. We all know what a fire alarm is, right? Everyone heard a fire alarm before? Let's, let's listen to one for just a second. This is not your opportunity to leave. Okay. But a fire alarm is a loud signal that alerts you that there's fire danger, right? There's smoke somewhere, there's fire, something is wrong. Get out of the building right now. It is time for action and it's time for response. Well, when wandering starts to happen in your life, it is the fire alarm of your soul going off and it is alerting you that something is wrong. It is signaling to you that something is off or missing. There is a longing in you that is not being met, and it is time for action and response. But here's what tends to happen as we begin the wandering journey. Here's what tends to happen in our minds. We feel like the, the, the more we wander away from being the person that God has intended us to be, the further away that God wanders from us. The further away we go, maybe God turns his back on us, or he rejects us, or he stops seeing us, or doesn't care about us anymore. Or maybe God doesn't even want to be associated with me because he's so disappointed in the person that I have become. That is the tendency for us to believe when we start to wander. 
But I want to tell you this morning that nothing could be further from the truth. What I want you to see is that in your wandering, God chases you down. God chases you down, and he invites you into something new. He says to you, you who are wandering, pay attention to that fire alarm going off in your soul. Listen to it. It's time to respond. There is a fire going down that road, and if you continue to go down that road, you will get burned. But if you want, I can show you a different path, and I can do something new in your life, but you have to invite me in. You have to invite me in. In your wandering, God is right there, and he's chasing you down, but I will tell you, he will not force himself on you. He won't. It's up to you to stand and raise your voice and respond to his invitation to do that new thing in your life, because here is what God knows. You can go from wandering to ruined in a split second, just like that, if you do not pay attention to that alarm. You can go from wandering to ruined in a split second. Look at what happened to this son. It says, about the, the time his money ran out, a great famine swept over the land, and he began to starve. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him, and that man sent him into the fields to feed the pigs. The young man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him, but no one gave him anything. When he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, at home, even the hired servants have food enough to spare, and here I am, I am dying of hunger. I will go home to my father, and I am gonna tell him three things. One, father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, I am no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. Well, it didn't take very long for this kid to kind of come to the end of himself, right? He's in a pretty desperate situation. He blew all of his money. There's a famine in the land, so now he is broke and starving. And the only job he can, he can get is working in a massive pig pen, which would have been totally disgraceful for him because in his culture, pigs were considered unclean. And so now he's disgracing himself, starving and broke, sitting in the midst of pigs and their filth, and he's so hungry, even the slop that they're eating looks good to him, but no one will even give him that. And here he sits, completely ruined. This is what ruined looks like. You know what I also call this? This is rock bottom isn't it? This is the lowest possible place that you can go. And I wonder if you have ever been there. I wonder if some of you sitting here this morning, if you're not there, you are pretty darn close. Because this is a season where it feels like you have lost everything. Um, you might not be covered in mud, but maybe you're covered with some shame or, or regret Maybe you're in a season where you, you see no way out of your situation. You might be um, in a situation where it feels like your life is coming to an end and you are sitting in your surroundings and you are looking around and you're going, how in the world do I, did I get here? How in the world did I get here? And the second question that comes is how do I get out? How did I get here? How do I get out? And the answer is simple, the way out 
is you raise your voice. You raise your voice. And I want to show you what it looks like for this kid. It's at this very moment of rock bottom that the passage says, the son finally came to his senses. Okay, literally, it means to recover your capacity for sound judgment. Basically, he snapped out of the way that he was thinking, and he had a moment of clarity. Rock bottom has a tendency to do that, doesn't it? He has a moment of clarity. And I might guess that an image came to his mind. Maybe it was the image of his father who loved him so much that he would sacrifice his own pride, his own honor, and dignity to grant his son's request. In that moment, maybe coming to his senses meant that he saw his father's face, the tears streaming down his face, maybe, as he hands the inheritance to his son and his son walks away. Maybe this was the moment that he realized that his father would do anything for his son. Because those are the types of things I think you realize when you say the words, I'm not worthy to be your son. But I want you to see what happens next because it's, it's huge. It is huge in this story. You see, for many of us, those feelings of unworthiness when we have them, they're absolutely paralyzing. They're paralyzing. Look at this quote. When we feel unworthy, we feel disconnected. Even when our loved ones are craving connection with us, we feel isolated and alienated even when we're surrounded by love and support. And what often happens is that because we have these feelings of unworthiness, they make us feel disconnected and alienated from the people around us. We never reestablish connection with them. We just let them go. But in this moment of ruin for this kid, with all of these feelings of unworthiness that he was having, he did not give in to them. He did not give in to them. And instead, he did something different. He began to raise his voice. He raised his voice. And so this is what he does. He picks himself up out of the pig pen, and he starts walking back to his father's house step by step covered in mud, smelly, and he's rehearsing his speech, those three things that he wants to tell his dad, right? Can you just picture it? Rehearsing that speech. How am I going to say it? What am I going to say first? And so he starts walking back, and all of a sudden he sees his father's house off in the distance, and this is what happens. It says, and while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming, Filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son and he embraced him and he kissed him. The passage said his father ran. And when we read that, we think that's a totally normal response. Your son or daughter comes back from being deployed and you see them for the first time as a parent, you're running. Or if your son or daughter comes back from college and you haven't seen them in a while, when you see them, you run. It's a natural response. But this was a disgraceful response for this father. Because in this culture, a father never ran. Older gentlemen would wear these really long robes. And so how do you run in a robe? You don't. You've got to hike up your robe a little bit in order to run. And that would show his legs, which was very disgraceful back then. And if you were a father, nobody should run to you because you hold a place of honor. If anyone ran, it was whoever you were walking toward. They would run to you. And so this father completely shamed himself and disgraced himself by running to his son. But I'll tell you, this dad didn't care. <laughs> this dad didn't care. 
All he cared about was getting his son back. And when he saw him, he hiked up his robe and he started running down the road. And when he arrived at him, he embraced him, mud and all, and he kissed his smelly, muddy face. And it's in this tender moment that the son gets the courage, right? And he raises his voice and he says this to his father. Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you. I am no longer worthy of being called your son. And this next part is the part that just gets me. If we go back to the moment when the son came to his senses, there were three things, remember, that he was going to tell his dad. He's going to say, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you. I'm no longer worthy of being called your son, and please take me on as a hired servant. But as he raises his voice in that moment, he only gets the first one out. He only gets the first one out. His father totally cuts him off before he can say the other two things about being unworthy and about being hired back as a servant. Instead, his father stops him dead in his tracks and he says, quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet and kill the calf we've been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast for this son of mine was dead and is now returned to life. He was lost, but now he is found. And so the party began. Crosswinds, if you have hit rock bottom in your wandering, the invitation to return home is always before you. In the midst of his wandering, this kid heard that fire alarm go off in his soul, and he picked himself up He remembered his father's love for him, and he returned home. And just like Emily Lewis, he found himself at a party in a high place of honor because he came home. He raised his voice, and he came home. I asked you um, in the beginning what kind of a father would grant this ridiculous request, right, to give his inheritance away. What kind of father would do that? Well, One who doesn't demand our response or our love until we're ready to give it. One who gives us enough room to come to the end of ourselves sometimes, because sometimes that's what we need to do, and God will not force himself on us. One who is chasing us down in the wandering, offering us invitation and connection. One who will hike up his robe and start running for us when he sees us coming back. And one who will not let us wallow in our unworthiness, but throws a party for us instead. That is the kind of God we serve. And that is the kind of God I hope you embrace this morning. Because what we need to remember is that no matter how far away from God we feel, God is never far away. Distance does not mean disconnection. Distance does not mean disconnection. There is an opportunity in your wandering to invite God into your life so he can do something new. And no matter when or where or how you return, God's response to you is always the same. Running with open arms. Running with open arms. For those of you who are wandering this morning, um, I wonder what it would look like for you to start to raise your voice in response to God. Maybe some of you have just started out on your journey Maybe you're like half a block down the road, and the minute you set out on your journey, you're like, you know what, this is not right for me. 
This is unfamiliar to me. It is your opportunity to turn to God in this moment and say, God, what are the longings in me that are not being met? And would you help me discover those and would you feel those? Maybe some of you are a mile down the road or maybe you have hit rock bottom and your life is hanging on by a thread or maybe that thread has already broken. What would it look like for you to pick yourself up out of the pig pen with all the mud on you and begin to take some steps back to God and raise your voice? Respond to that invitation. It will only take a few steps before God starts to run. Before he starts to run. Let's stand together and let's pray. God, there is an inner wanderer in all of us. There are things inside of us, um, longings that are not being filled, desires that are not being met expectations we have that are not being filled and it causes us pain. God, would you grant us the spaciousness in our lives to look at those things, to hear the fire alarm going off in our soul because you say to us, God, you say, you who are wandering, it's time to stop. Turn around, raise your voice. I am right here, invite me in. I can give you the peace that you're longing for. I can give you the soul satisfaction that you need. And I can meet the needs of your greatest desires and your greatest longings. Thank you, God, for running to us. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Thank you for coming today. We will see you next week.